Well now, you may be wondering what this is all about. Well, we had a listener response, and we felt we should respond to this and uh, put it in after the credits of our next podcast. Well, it turns out that our response was a little bit longer than we thought. In fact, uh, about 40 minutes worth. Uh, so, uh, actually, uh, probably best we stick it out as a little extra ahead of the podcast it was supposed to be going out after. Um, so, funny story. Anyway, so just pretend you've listened to a podcast between uh, Leo and myself, and, uh, and uh, the credits have finished, and all of a sudden, this happens. Yes, strange things can happen during uh, an end credit theme music. For example, Justin can appear. Hello. Yes. And Ian can suddenly come down with tonsillitis. I'm all right. I'll soldier on, guys. Don't mind me. Um, But uh, we can't possibly allow the fact that uh, our 1989 show provoked uh, some comment to pass uh, without, uh, without... being commented back upon, uh, especially seeing it's a very long and detailed comment. Uh, so this is from our podcast page, which you can find, obviously, as Ian's probably just reminded you before the break at 80skids.podomatic.com. That's 80s as in letters. And this is from uh, Anne Bonnie Clyde. Uh, so we're going to read this out and, and, and respond uh, to, to the thoughts on 1989. So, very weird show, replete with films I never would have guessed make the list, as well as quite a few that had already been opined upon, some ad nauseum. I hated The Abyss and almost every single movie mentioned, actually. Which I think is actually... I mean, I, I've listened to the back to the show, and it is like, well, we have got, like, Star Trek V in there, and <laughs> Licence to Kill, and... You know, it, it, it's, yeah, I guess it's, 1989 wasn't the year. <laughs> well, it, it was. I, I, well, we'll get this as we proceed down the, down the letter. I think there's certain films we we didn't avoid them. We've put them to one side on yeah, a shelf. I know. I, know. I mean, we, we, we're trying to hit important movie moments because we talk about uh, the, the comment goes on. The wooden charmless Dalton and subsequent bloodless 007 tone is the reason why I can no longer watch any Bond, which I enjoyed immensely as a child. Um, now, I think I should point out here, if the last Bond that you watched was one of the Dalton ones, mostly, I think you've probably had a fairly lucky escape. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's... <laughs> I mean, uh, people, right. people enjoy. Well, we'll get. The, we'll talk about that when we get there. But I think people enjoyed Brosnan at the time. It's in retrospect we realised he wasn't as cool as we thought he was. Die Another Day was on television the other day. Now that was a really stupid film. That yeah. was the film that totally. You know, I, I was like, I'm out. Um, I mean, it, just awful. Never mind Wooden Charmless Dalton. There's sort of robbery, crinkly Brosnan, parasailing across. Anyway, we'll get to it. But, oh, it was, that is such a bad movie in every possible respect. Previous to this, two movies that uh, had more potential but failed to deliver on either of those potential. And Goldeneye, which was all right, I suppose. Yeah. And that's it. So, you know, we're really not missing anything. I mean, even then, after that, you get Casino Royale, which uh, everybody agreed had a bit of a weird ending. Then you get Quantum of Solace, which had a bit of a weird everything. Um, and then uh, Skyfall, which people think is rapturously wonderful. So, you know, maybe now is the time to get back into Bond. But, yeah, if you if you, if you checked out with Dalton. I think anyone who, who kind of stopped watching just from one thing, like, 20 years ago, you know, 
is that's a kind of a, a strange. That's kind of like your opinions take over your love of film because you could say that about a lot of things could be ruined franchises just by one particular performance. But well, you have well, yeah. franchise and it's got different. You have to give them a go. I mean. Well, I, I regret, for example, uh, the fact that I did not get to see Fast and Furious 6 last year because it was actually quite good, uh, but the last two would put me off. I'm probably going to drag myself to the cinema to see the uh, inevitable Riddick sequel, and I mean inevitable in the sense of it is now on the slate, yeah. because apparently, despite being full of misogynist tosh, it sold gangbusters on DVD. Right. So, okay. yeah, the Underverse film is coming. Yeah, it would be really nice if they released a non-misogynistic cut of Riddick as well. That would be cool. Uh, it's not going to happen, but it would be cool if they did. So, uh, dissing Back to the Future 2 and Indy was rather heinous, Rufus. I don't know which one of us is Rufus. I think I Rufus, is, Rufus is from uh, Bill and Ted. Yes, I know Rufus is from Bill and Ted, but I don't know which one of us did. By dissing, they mean we just didn't mention it. We, didn't, we, 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 we passed right over them. So. Oh, we passed right there over them. Ah, well, the, the, I can uh, assure you that we didn't do that. We want shows specifically, as we've said, we're going to, during the 90s, pepper them with, I think, what's going to be like 80s focus. I mean, we haven't, look at we, this, we let's haven't tackled any of the big trilogies, really, have we? Or kind of franchise. We haven't really done, we haven't done Indiana Jones at all. We haven't done Back to the Future. We haven't done any of the Star Wars films. Or Star these, Trek. Or Star Trek. These all get their own oh, slots. We've, we've, we've we've big, they're big things. And I think you need to look at them in context and it's very useful to see them in terms of the story arcs that encompass all the kind of films. Yeah. So it's difficult to take them as individual things. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I think you just have to wait, really. It's coming. Yeah. It is coming. We did touch on uh, Back to the Future when we passed it, and we talked a little bit about yeah. two at the time. We have touched on all the Star Trek movies. We have left a large hole for Indy because, uh, well, uh, we, we knew for sure we were definitely going to be doing a podcast about Indy. In fact, we had a damn good attempt at one in, previously in the past. Um, yeah. But, but uh, yeah, it's, it's all coming. We have, I mean, we, obviously, we couldn't talk about 1989 and, and deliberately, you know, snub Last Crusade. I think. I mean, I think it's. I think it's not a case of the things we talk about we love and the things we don't talk about we hate. So I think it's as simple as that. I think certain films are just interesting to talk about. Whether you can't stand them, they have a kind of an impact, and they, you know, they're yeah. they're worth talking about. But that's not necessarily means that we're talking about them because you know we are overjoyed and they're our favourite thing ever. Yeah, I mean, as, as long as we've got something interesting to say. I mean, you know, the forbidden film, Justin, as as you know, um, uh, you gave a very impassioned denouncement of it, uh, and you know, and, and that, that that was the fun of it. You you were passionate. You had some passion. It wasn't a good passion. It was it was a raging <laughs> anger from the pit of your soul kind of a passion. But nonetheless, so, yeah, you had so, something interesting to say. So the mic is yours. Yes. So anyway, continue. If ignoring the big guns or more obvious hits, Heathers would have been funny to hear from the perspective of a bunch of Brits. Now, actually, I do have, I did instantly think this. Uh, the thing about Heathers is, and particularly as it, it, you know, obviously the 80s kids is a sort of a thing that is seen from the perspective of us looking back at, uh, at what we saw. Heathers, I now understand and appreciate, is, you know, where the Americans kind of sometimes hit satire and it's okay. They can do it. You know, uh, they, they, satire is very difficult for Americans uh, for some reason, which I don't really understand. But uh, when they do hit it, they hit it really well. 
Um, and, and Heathers is one of those. The only problem is it uh, satirizes aspects of American high school culture, which at 15 or 16 or whatever, uh, when, when I was, when I watched Heathers, I had no, I mean, that's the other thing is that Heathers didn't really come out in the cinema over here. It was a more of a video thing. So we didn't really get it till the nineties, early nineties here. And it, it satirizes something which I now understand from much more cultural satire on high school politics that has come out in, in the wake of it. But at the time, I didn't really get it, to be honest, because I didn't really understand what it was about. No, I'm we, do, we, I'm don't ha- we don't have that high school culture, and only because they've made a lot of films that exemplify, you know, what that is all about since then, and television series is about this structure of American high schools where, you know, you have popular kids and then you have the rest of the kids and then you have the pariahs and blah, 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 and, and proms, and, and we didn't know anything about that. And then the, the chief thing I remember about it is everybody saying, well, isn't Christian Slater like Jack Nicholson? And that was it, really. So, hmm. And there is no good Star Trek flick rather than Voyage Home. And then a couple later when they integrate TNG. So really? there you go. That's yeah. what the comment says. Uh, really? Have you not seen Wrath of Khan? <laughs> I think that... that okay. Roth... All right, fair enough. Well, you know, think... Wrath of Khan's quite militaristic, whereas Voyage Home is, a, is, is quite a fun character humour. Voyage Home is the most popular Star Trek film of the classic run that was ever made. I I don't have a lot of time for the next gen movie versions, I'm afraid. Uh, I think I think First Contact had was all right in places. It was it was decent. But the others uh, Nemesis I feel particularly sorry for. Um so I'm quite surprised about that, and I do like Next Gen. It's nothing against Next Gen. Next Gen is very dear to me. Um, although I do think we've now moved beyond Next Gen. We're in I, Next I Next Gen. The cast on Next Gen worked quite well in the no. right in, in cinema. I just didn't have. I don't know. It maybe it was too close in terms of you know when the series was out. Whereas the point of the you know the original cast is the fact that it, you know it, it was like in the past. And this war, it felt like something new. You didn't feel like you were, it felt completely different from the TV series, where I think the next gen films, you know, they were still very, very close to the film, to the series being made. So it was, I don't know, it didn't seem so special and unique to me. But again, sometime we're going to come back to Star Trek, so maybe we could cover them all. It, the next uh, one made me. The next comment made me smirk. Y'all are too young. No one watched my two dads. Greg Evergan was a heartthrob in BJ and the Bear. That's what I distinctly recall him from. There were lots of posters of him around on lockers. Now, there's two things here. First of all, I can assure you that none of us are too young. <laughs> uh, second of all, we did get my two dads uh, on some channel. It was probably way after the fact in the UK because I remember it being when I was in my late teens so that it would they probably didn't actually even put it on you know simultaneously to air because that's the way things used to work you know we got things ages after us and we certainly did not get BJ and the Bear I don't even know what BJ and the Bear is I think they decided that it wasn't something that UK audiences wanted to see so nobody ever bought it spent the money to bring it over from the Atlantic. And to be honest, that whole thing about My Two Dads, Greg, and the only reason I know that Greg Evergan is in My Two Dads is because there was a, a show in the late 90s called Fist of Fun, 
and they did a spoof nature documentary. Uh, I can't remember what it was called, but all I do remember is that um, the, the, they would do the title and go, and go, Hi, I'm Greg Evergan from My Two Dads. And that was basically the voice <laughs> they did the whole nature documentary in. And, and then they'd have this little photograph of Greg Evergan. They used to do that thing where they just like rotate it a little bit when the guy's speaking. And it was like a really, it was, it was really mean, but it was quite funny. Um, and that's the only reason I even remember who Greg Evergan is at all. I didn't watch My Two Dads. <laughs> Um, so there we go. So I always, I always perceived him as someone who had no career whatsoever, and I think the British people as a whole probably join me in that wholeheartedly. If they have anything uh, at all. Yes, let's let's move straight on to. I've never even heard of Slipstream. Okay, good. Well, that's, there's a reason. That, yeah, well, it was no. never released <laughs> theatrically in America. Yep. That's why. Oh, was it never? Okay. So I went to watch it after the no, show. No. <laughs> right, okay. Justin, just just don't fly off the handle here. Okay. Cheesy be fair, but rather enjoyable. Wow. I could list ten off the top of my head that would make you want to take your own life. This doesn't even come close to worst ever. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> what I need to do is get a sample of the blood. There's obviously some genetic quality there. that. I... <laughs> what it is to me is that it, you can have a bad movie, and if everybody's trying to make a good movie and it turns out to be bad, then you might enjoy it as a bad movie because yeah. that's a cynical bad movies. That they're yeah, they're terrible. And yeah, I mean, you know, I would possibly hazard to say that Paranormal Activity is quite cynical. Those movies are quite yes. cynical in the way they exploit. So yeah, I find that kind of worse than if they're trying, but. Slipstream is this example of a type of movie where I just get the feeling that everybody who was in it was kind of tired even before it was made. And so it was bad, but they weren't trying to make a good movie, but they also weren't cynical enough to be trying to just get some bucks. They just were all a bit... And it didn't make any sense. Sorry, it just doesn't make any sense. but 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 it is just badly made in terms of film production. It just doesn't work on a lot of levels. You know, it's badly edited. It's kind of badly acted. It's badly written. It's just, you know, that's why I kind of despise it. Because in 1989, you know, people should know better, quite frankly. And the names involved in it, they should know a lot better. Well, that's that's what I'm saying. They had a quality to me of knowing better. They were like, everybody was, it was still like one of these things where I think everybody was turning up to work every day, like, you enjoying this? No. Should we go on with it? Yeah, go on then. And that's it. And it's like, there's no joy in that film. It's like, one thing if nobody's taking it seriously and are having a bit of a laugh, but these people are like walking as if to the grave. And that's what makes it so painful to watch, is the fact that it's like, nobody thought this was a good idea. Nobody. Not one person. I mean, that's the thing. Say what you like about the prequel trilogy of Star Wars. At least George Lucas thought it was a good idea. Yes. Nobody thought that Slipstream was a good idea. We found now, apparently, the one the person who thought it was a good the idea. The prequels are well-made films. They're terrible stories. There's a lot of flaws with them, but they are, in terms of a film production, you know, they are well-made. They're just not very good films at all. So, yes. Yeah. Uh, so that's why, that's why personally, I, I despise it. But, you know, obviously, uh, yeah. it's, 
It's open to interpretation. So, uh, interesting Mel Gibson discussion. Far better director than actor. Passion is really just boring, but Apocalypto was great. Yes, Apocalypto was great. He's quite good in Get the Gringo, which is known over here as uh, How I Spent My Summer Vacation, latest comeback attempt, which is available on Netflix. I haven't bothered to watch it. Yeah, uh, Ian, you have some Mel Gibson comments to make, I believe. Oh, well, uh, I have now attempted to watch... Uh, Lethal Weapon, the first movie. Uh, I, I have temporarily abandoned it at the moment. Maybe I'll go back, because I should at least try and finish the first movie. It has to be said that uh, most people, I think, uh, of our generation, were introduced to Lethal Weapon oh, yeah, 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 uh, okay. by Lethal Weapon 2. Oh, right. And then Lethal Weapon comes as a bit of a shock, because it's, a sh- it's Shane Black who, who wrote the last Iron Man movie. Uh, also kiss kiss bang bang and shane black in his particularly scathing kind of mode it's very dark and the humor is hard to unearth yeah and as uh, the series continues it becomes a lot more funny and a lot less dark yes Um, i mean i was just gonna say i think it suffers a lot from the fact it's made in 87 so therefore a lot of things come across as cliches when they weren't necessarily cliches at the time they've just been copied better like just before dixie's house explodes i thought that house is going to explode how did i know that it was just a framing of the shot probably the mel gibson thing you know you didn't warn me because i said i'm a bit off about mel gibson guys i'm sorry and you're like no 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 give it a try it was the first thing i say when the film starts it's mel gibson's naked ass thanks for that guys um yeah, right, the, the, well, that was that was the kind of staple of those films it, it was always it, a gratuitous butt shots it's it's very over the top. I, I can't believe these two guys warm to each other after after basically pointing guns at each other's heads in utter frustration. And it's also I think the thing that really just kind of made me go made me feel a bit ugh was there was the very protracted firing range sequence where Mel Gibson uh, with a handgun at maximum range is able to put a smiley face into a target piece of paper they stretch the joke out because they have the whole thing of the paper going out shoot 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 paper slowly coming back in mel gibson humming the whole time i was like oh he's just an asshole it's like you've just broken believability and it's it's like you know if you did that with a sniper rifle i'd be like fair enough but it's like no you did that holding your gun with one hand at maximum range and did a flawless smiley face i'm sorry f you I'm out of here. <laughs> I think that the um, the the that well, what you've you've experienced there is the difference between if it was the, as the series continues, the tone becomes a lot more ridiculous, and therefore you you're a victim of the fact that the tone in the first one, like if you watch the second one, which everybody comes away from doing impressions of Joss Ackland, diplomatic immunity. It, basically, you, you go back and watch the first one, it's like, mm, it is kind of like what I remember from the second one, but for some reason they're trying to take it half seriously, and I don't think that's probably the way to go. But obviously that's the, 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 the thing of it being the wrong way around. Like, they did the first one, and then they picked out that people preferred the the, the funnier stuff, the gags. To it, was, it was also the fact... Um... Maybe later in the film it'll turn out they were deliberately paired together to solve this crime. That must be the only explanation. Otherwise, it's a massive coincidence that Danny Glover's best mate from Nam, who saved his life's daughter, dies and is, in fact, probably killed by the same set of people that Mel Gibson went to Nam with. And it's like, oh, seriously, that's, that's a horrific coincidence. 
that just happen to be paired together at the very time both of them have something very pertinent about this, you know, case that just happened to come up. So, I, but I have a thing they won't be. Uh, I should at least finish the film so I can have a, a genuine proper yeah, moan about it. I haven't seen them probably for several years, but uh, what I have is kind of affection for them, really. But I suppose, you know, maybe looking at them through modern eyes, maybe maybe they don't come off so well. Certainly not. Oh no, I don't think they've aged at all. Well, I haven't looked at them in ages, but I'm I pretty was, sure. I was quite surprised they look it a bit was Richard these days. It was Richard Donner who directed it. I was like, oh, I did not know that. That is actually interesting. Um, but, uh, so, yeah, yeah, I'm a bit, I'm a bit kind of, I'm like, like I said before, I think it's purely the fact this is 1987. And so things we see now as cliches and things, oh man, that's so 80s. It is, it's just, it seems more jarring oh, yeah. than it was intended Lethal to be. Lethal Weapon time. set a template for a lot of stuff that happened later. I mean, you know, those, um, Jackie Chan and Chris Tucker films, they're basically, oh, it's Lethal Weapon with Jackie Chan and Chris Tucker. Um, so yeah, I mean the, the, yeah, yeah. The, the buddy movie, Lethal Weapon, is the archetypal buddy movie uh, that that kind of set the template for the later buddy, buddy movies of the nineties. Because before that, you had stuff like Amos and Andrew and Midnight Run and stuff where you did have people who were partnered unconventionally, but Lethal Weapon really did the thing where it, you know, where they went, oh, this is how it's supposed to work. Yeah. Um, so that, and then, and obviously, then you get cliches because everything copied that it's like people saying in five years ten years somebody will go oh i watched that matrix i've never seen it before god it's so cliched it's like yes. no it, it invented all, all of those cliches didn't exist before the matrix then everybody ripped it off and then it went into uh, bullet time and i just rolled my eyes yeah exactly the next comment i can't remember what we did say about roadhouse but apparently we should be ashamed of what we said about Roadhouse. well we, pretty much our comments were uh you should pronounce it roadhouse and then we oh yeah it. right i was i went for a meal last night with completely different friends i do have completely different friends and roadhouse came up because somebody got it on their tivo and everyone around the table suddenly started going Roadhouse, Roadhouse. <laughs> I think it's probably um, the fact we again. I think it's probably the fact we passed it over. I think he's probably um, our greatest sin. Remember, time is limited. We can't talk about everything. So I think, I think on the other hand, Swayze deserves at least half a show, if not a show all by himself. But Patrick Swayze is a cultural phenom of the 80s and 90s and early 2000s. That deserves to be examined film by film. Because, you know, I wouldn't necessarily... I've heard shows before do retrospectives on certain things, like if you do a, you know, a, a James Cameron retrospective, and that's got some mileage. But then you want, what you really want to do in a retrospective is pick out someone who's had a career like Patrick Swayze, which is just bonkers. Yeah. I mean, the things that he covered during his lifetime are just crazy so yeah that's that's you know, consider the peg put into the board swayze retrospective coming to a podcast near you soon absolutely you're so, gonna yeah. make me watch dirty dancing as well now i don't have to make you watch it if you want to watch yes you know it, i secretly really want to watch it i just <laughs> if something is that popular whether it's with women or men or whatever, that, women are an audience too, you know? If something is that popular... Oh, no, 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 no. I, was, I was just being facetious. Don't tell them. All right. Yeah, I'll, I'll have yeah, to no, no, but actually what you're doing by being facetious is representing a point of view that some people actually hold. Um, that it, Basically, if something's that popular, it deserves some attention yeah, from the point of view of someone who's just trying to work out 
Why is this popular? Much the same way that I, I approached uh, Hunger Games, as I, I want to know why this is popular. Um, so, yeah, but, okay, no, we're all we all white guys in our late thirties, early forties, so. You know, we probably yeah. slip outside the natural demographic of people who were supposed to be watching Dirty Dancing at the time it was a current. Yes. But anyway, there we get a big list. So here's the big list. So many awesome or intriguing or backstory-laid movies you never even mentioned in the roundup list. Curious. Good grief. Dead Poets, The Killer, Say Anything, Cinema Paradiso, Miss Daisy, Left Foot, Lampoons. I don't know which national lampoons that one is, because it... It, I don't know. Anyway, Glory, War of the Roses, chances are, Look Who's Talking, Major League, Weekend at Bernie's, Fletch, Do the Right Thing, My Personal Face, Disorganised Crime, which I believe has another name over here. I don't know what that is, but the English name is something other than that. There are even a handful of small, more eccentric ones, but they they veer more towards When the Whales Came and Henry V, rather than Millennium and Eric the Viking. Uh, how I Got Into College Over Advertising. I don't know what how I got into college is either. That's probably got another. I could do this all day. Right. Okay. So to deal with this, first of all, uh, let's go through the list of uh, movies that. Um, I mean, it's our remit. I think are not, are not yet are not our remit. Dead poets say anything really. Cinema Paradiso, Miss Daisy, Left Foot. Uh, lamp. Well, I don't know which lampoons it is. If it's one of the ones that's more genre oriented, then no. But if it's like a vacation, then that's outside our remit. Glory is definitely outside of our remit. War of the Roses is outside of our remit. Chances are, I don't think I've ever seen. Uh, Look who's talking is outside of our remit. Major League is outside of our remit. Weekend at Birdies. Our remit is sci-fi, fantasy, horror, and action. And well, sometimes Glory is was a war film. Surely we could. Glory was a war film, but it was a, a kind of. A, and I've only ever seen it once on television. And I think there's a whole thing about it where I don't think it had as much cultural cachet in in the UK as it did in the US. So, so well, it's the American Fletch, Civil War. Fletch, so of course not. Fletch is a detective movie with Chevy Chase. Don't really have anything to say about Fletch. I watched it. I quite enjoyed it. And there we go. Uh, it's based That's, on a bunch of novels. As okay, I okay, and you know, I think. I think it doesn't mean that the films we talk about are our favourite films like ever in the history of film or indeed the only things worth talking about. But we all come with it with our own with particular slants. We're all pretty geeky. We're going we're to be choosing certain type of films. So, yes, there are films there that it w- I would talk about on a different thing. Cinema, Cinema Paradiso is an absolutely beautiful film. But, you know, that that covers, there's an awful lot of foreign films you can talk about. And that's that's a totally different kind of thing. Yeah, so, I mean, to pick up on the ones that we did uh, skirt through, Millennium, I mean, by the same token, if we do have something, I mean, we talked about Eric the Viking more on the point of, like, I remember movie that movie. Else. Well, I, yeah, well, yeah, I remember that movie, but I don't really remember anything about it specifically. That's kind of the spirit in which we talked about it. But Millennium has a, sometimes a movie does have a huge impact on one of us. And in this case, Sue really likes Millennium. And it's weird because most people in the UK, at least, haven't even heard of it. Uh, How to Get Ahead in Advertising, another British film, which had a huge impact on me because I think one of the things you've got to remember is if you're interested in film and you're British and it's 1989, the one thing you keep hearing is, yeah, if you like film 
and you ever wanted to do anything, you know, even make the tea on a film set, forget it. There's no British film industry. And so when Richard E. Grant turns up and he's actually in a film or any British film, it's just this thing of like, are we dead yet? Are we out of this game? Is there no British film industry? And um, things got a lot more complicated after that. For a while, they tried to make it. I mean, that's something we probably need to talk about is this idea of the British film industry. Because because I think it's changed out of all recognition to what people kind of think of it as. There's certainly nothing like it used to be in the 60s and even the 70s. But there we go. That's what it is. I, I you know I think we can easily put together some specials on on covering films we haven't covered in, yes. in certain genres. I think that's I think that's fine. I think that's you know uh, definitely something we should do. Uh, I think I keep forgetting to mention that I enjoy the coders at the end. Uh, also, I wondered if there would be more talky talk about other pop culture, such as TV or music, etc. It's very movie heavy, which is fun. But I think some of the best shows, when it gives the overall feel of what that decade really felt like to be there, how an 80s kid was moulded, I think this is where teens really started to change. Now, I think that is a good point. Now, uh, we, we are a movie podcast. That is our thing. We're in the movie category. So we are, and I think that, you know, giving it the structure of, I mean, this is one of the things we found about television. Television lists, apart from anything else, don't really tell you when things were aired. Also, television does have reruns. And that means that a television show has, may have a first air date. And those become, as we get closer to today with the idea of TiVos and the internet, you, they become a lot more anchored when a show first aired. But actually, in the past, I get this impression that TV shows are not really anchored to a particular time. They have a first air, and then they go round and round and round and round on television all the time. And so that television show becomes a part of the overall cultural patchwork of a time. Whereas a film, particularly, you know, as, as in this time, had a release date, it ran at the cinema, then it disappeared, and then eventually it came out on video. So, yeah, I mean, I think that's... Uh, that's that's possibly why movies are such a good way of anchoring you in time, because they they kind of are anchored to particular years. They came out at particular times. They chart a way through. Whereas television, you know, the only ones that are really you know sort of time bound are things that only got a first run, and then the television studio buried them, and you never see them again. Um, and they form little sort of parts of nostalgia in your heart uh, i know that there are many american fans of the show manimal who are in that uh, mold and there are the you know we will get to shows where people have this fond remembrance of yeah, them and, and they've been that's, resurrected we have done some special before we've done kind of the uh, the um tv animation saturday morning tv shows and things like that so i mean i, I can see us doing things oh. maybe maybe taking those as a genre taking groups of those we've, we've We've kind of skirted around that and, and, and done that as well before. So, you know, sure, yeah. I mean, I think I think we can do that. Yeah. I think the key comment comes right at the end. It says, we experienced much different 1989s. Biff must not be the only one who got a copy of the Almanac. You actually made the year sound boring. Now, that's what's interesting to me is because what this does demonstrate is that we did. I've never seen a list of movies 
uh, before, such as the one here, where you have stuff like disorganized crime, how I got into college, where it's like, oh, well, all these movies had different titles over here. I mean, this is a, a sort of, I think this is one of these symptoms of the upcoming 90s that, that movie execs were starting to interfere and go, oh, people in England won't understand this title or they won't get this or that, you know, BJ and the Bear, nobody ha- wants to watch that in England, you know, let's not bother with that. And it's just interesting. Oh, and the, yes, the killer is mentioned in the list now that's an interesting one because nobody in the uk heard about that the killer even existed till the early 90s because at that time uh hong kong cinema and all of the jackie chans the reason we haven't mentioned particularly any of them uh the first jackie chan that i remember getting a proper anything like a proper cinema release in the uk was rumble in the bronx and the reason why Rumble in the Bronx got a proper cinema release is because by that time the cinem- the uh, Cineplex thing had totally taken off in the UK. Until then, cinemas just didn't have enough screens to show all that stuff. And so they didn't. They just didn't bother to distribute them into the UK. So in the 90s, there was a big explosion of Hong Kong action and stuff like that, which we shall obviously get to in the coming months. But what's interesting is obviously America had that a little bit earlier because they had more opportunity. That's the way the migration worked. So. Yes. I think basically because we omitted um, Last Crusade, uh, Back to the Future, um, in that, you know, they were obviously big releases, but we, we are tackling them later. So so taking that out of it, they were, you know, two of the massive summer blockbusters that came out that year. Yeah. So it's going to feel like, yes, that's missing, but, but we briefly mentioned them, but we, I say we are tackling them properly, so... Yeah, I might have come across that way. Yeah, and I mean, I don't. As I recall, when I listened back to the show, we didn't spend that long on the abyss, but it, it you know, it, it, I mean, it still we, stuns me. We hit me the nail quite a few that. times before in the past. I think. Yeah, we had we had hit that because obviously it's part of Sue's favourite, and the fact that you know when I watched it again, I was like, bloody hell, this could have been made in two thousand and seven, and that's kind of remarkable. There are no other films that I think come to that level. Um, and it's just this odd thing. Why would some, you know? It's the thing that's the big lesson to learn is being ahead of your time is not necessarily a good thing. Let us not wit on about the abyss anymore. No, we're not going to only enrage our commenter. So, yes. So there we go. That's it. That's that's the end of the comment. So uh, I hope that sort of put. I mean, the good thing about this is that we've had an excuse here to seed. These are the things that are coming in the future. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, I mean, uh, well, I say, I, anyway, I'd sort of say thank you. You know, we appreciate comments, yes, and it gives us, yeah. you know, something to talk about. So that's that's you know. But uh, yeah, and I do uh, think that that last thing where it's like we experienced different 1989s, I wasn't even aware of that, but it is absolutely true. British kids, you know, in 1989, we've all come back together again, and it's because the we haven't had this comment before. So obviously for much of the 80s, UK got sort of US cast-offs, I guess. And maybe it's because 1989, the technology started to change. You know, you've got mobile phones coming out. In a few years, there'll be the internet. That basically, I think there's the, the 90s may be a hallmark of it, is this kind of idea of suddenly people leaping in and trying to micromanage the culture so that UK get UK culture and US get US culture and it's different things. And, and that's what caused such a god-awful mess because... I I just thought that was 1989. But when I read over that list, I'm like, yeah, but some of these things that you're talking about that were big, they weren't big over here. And some of the things that you think were small were bigger over here. And that's really weird because that hasn't happened before. 
Either way, uh, she wasn't the slightest bit put out about the fact that we completely dissed Ghostbusters 2. So I'm now convinced <laughs> we should never speak of this film again except in disdain. So there we go. Well, we've got we've got uh, more to talk about, but in different oh, shows. Yes. So, uh, so we need to move on, but we hope that that is a comment fully addressed. Uh, thank you very much, and uh, goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.